this has been a while ago, but I had TV on and I was turning through it and I heard this person, it was a, he was a, a, let's say it this way, he was a preacher on television and here's what he was saying. He said, when you come to Christ as Savior, you're going to be changed. Everything will be changed. Everything will get better and better. There will be blessings as a child of God. God will provide and He'll protect and we'll be blessed and we'll be fine financially and physically. There will be health and wealth. As believers, we have the great life and you should expect things to go smoothly. If there are trials, if there are problems, it means you're not trusting God and you're not obeying God. Well, let me raise a question. This is what the guy said. Do you think that's true? We'd say, no, that's not true. As a child of God, does this mean that as you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, that things ought to be smooth and easy, and that uh, that if there are trials and problems, you're just not trusting God? Well, the truth is this. We have God's provision and power and protection, but that does not mean everything will go smooth. This evening, we're going to see, I think the next slide, we're going to see um, Moses is in obedience to God. He approaches Pharaoh, but things don't get better. Things actually get worse. We'd say, well, how can that be? God said, go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. And then you'd think that things would be okay. But you remember what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh says, I don't know your God, and you are lazy. Too much time on your hands. So what does he do? He makes their work harder. We'd say, thanks a lot. I mean, in fact, that's exactly what the Jewish people say to Moses. Thanks a lot for what you've done. You know, when, when, when he came to him and said, God wants us to get out of here, they're all going, yay, and go up and talk to him, Moses and Aaron, and they go talk to him, and they come back, and then they go, thanks a lot, you've really ruined everything. Sometimes things happen to us, and, and we trust in Christ, and we say, oh, it's going to be great, and we, we live, we decide we're going to stand for Christ, and sometimes when we do that, it, it, uh, it gets harder. I mean, you face it, that if you're living in a world that's going this way, and you get into the flow, and you go this way, that's not near as hard as standing against the flow when you stand for Jesus Christ. Well, this evening, we're going to see Moses and Aaron, Aaron in their first confrontation with the Pharaoh. And, and we realize that, that in their obedience, it doesn't really turn out right. In fact, here's what we find. We find that Pharaoh is angry. The Jews are angry at him, at Moses, and he begins to question God. Think about it. Moses says, you know, Pharaoh's mad at me. Jews are mad at me. And... I wonder what God is doing. And he begins to question God. Well, let's begin. Let's think about where we are. God has called Moses to go back to Egypt. He'd been in Midian. He'd been away for 40 years. You remember when Moses was born, that for the first 40 years of his life, he was trained in Egypt. And then when he was 40 years old, he basically killed a man and had to flee. And for the last 40 years, he's been on the backside of the desert shepherding sheep for his father-in-law named Jethro. And what we realized is the first 40 years of Moses' life, he was trained in the world Egypt, and that wouldn't, that doesn't make him ready to lead God's people. The last 40 years of his life, he's been a shepherd in the backside of the desert, and that's preparing him to shepherd the nation of Israel. And so we're going to see what happens. God has called Moses to go back. God told Moses he's going to redeem his people. And he even said, Moses, here's some signs that you do. And if you remember the signs, Moses had a staff, and I forgot to bring my, my staff tonight, but God said, throw the staff down. He threw the staff down. It becomes a snake. He grabs it 
by the tail, and the snake becomes back a stick again. It becomes a staff. He said, that's one sign. Second sign is take your hand, put it in your in your clothes right there, pull it back out, it'll be leprosy. Put it back in, pull it back out, it'll be normal. That's the two signs you're to give to the elders of Egypt so they'll believe you that I sent you. He said, if they don't believe those signs, go to the Nile River, take some water out of the Nile River. When you pour it on the ground, it'll become blood. Those are the three signs you go. And, of course, he did the signs. In fact, back in chapter 4, which we saw last time, he performed the signs, and the people believed. And they were all excited. And they said, well, this is great. Things look good, don't they? They look good. And, 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 and as we begin, Moses may have forgotten something. You remember what God told Moses? He won't let you go. People are all excited. God says, go to Pharaoh, and we're going to get out of here. And they're all clapping and cheering. Moses forgot that God said, you're going to go to him, but he's not going to let you go. And so what happens this evening when we see the first confrontation? Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, Moses goes before the Pharaoh, and Moses and Pharaoh says, I don't know the Lord. I don't know who you're talking about. And then we got a new policy. The new policy is more work. And then the third thing as we go through it is the Jews respond to Moses. They're angry. And then Moses responds to God, and he's basically questioning God. Why did, why did you do this? I don't understand it. Now, as we begin, remember the great truth. We are to obey God regardless of how things turn out. I mean, even when we're serving God, that and and that doesn't and, and living for Christ, that doesn't mean everything's going to be smooth. In fact, when you live in a fallen world and you live for Christ, you should expect that things will not be smooth because we live in the fallen world. Well, we see Moses and Aaron that go into Pharaoh with the request, "Let God's people go and go into the wilderness to worship the Lord." In fact, that's the request. Let our people go worship in the wilderness. And the Lord makes this request. And and how does the Pharaoh respond? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. It says, And afterwards Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. And there's a number of things. First of all, when you start the verse, it says, And afterwards, after what? After Moses and Aaron came and they did the signs and the people believed and the elders are all excited and they're basically saying, Moses, and Aaron, y'all go. God is with us. This is going to be great. So afterwards, Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh. Now, it always amazes me that Pharaoh believes that he's a god. Pharaoh is the leader of Egypt. And yet all the way through this, people come to see him all the time. You'd think it'd be hard to get to see Pharaoh, right? I mean, if you're Pharaoh, you're kind of up there doing your own thing. And you don't see the, you don't see the normal people. You don't see the little people. But Moses and Aaron come to see him. We're going to see later on foremen. Jewish foremen who are being beaten up go see Pharaoh. So I, obviously, and best we can tell is Pharaoh allowed people to come see him. So Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord. Now notice capital L, L capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Lord. That's the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And notice how he says it. The God of Israel. Let my People go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. So after meeting with the elders, after the signs, they go. And they have to feel good that God has told them to go. They they got God's backing, right? Would you say that they're doing God's will? What do you think? I'd say, yeah, yeah. Now, I want you to think about this. And I don't know if I have a slide. I think I do. We've got an 80 and an 83-year-old men confronting maybe a Pharaoh who could be as young as 25 or 30. You got these two old men coming up there saying, God says, let my people go. 
Because remember, Aaron is three years older than Moses, and Moses is 80 years old. So 80 and 83, they're going. They say to Pharaoh the king, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the eternal God, the God of Israel, let my people go. Now let me tell you what they're doing. They're giving a message. He's giving Pharaoh a message from God. And Pharaoh knows exactly what he's doing. Because notice he says, he says, God, the Lord God, the God of Israel says, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Sometimes people say things like, oh, I wish, I wish God would speak to me. Well, he gave you a whole book, right? And the truth is this, when we get this thing mastered, he might give you something else, right? But let's face it, we've got, we've got the word of God. And he says, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. How is he going to respond? What's Pharaoh going to say to this? Will he, will he say, oh, of course, I mean, you're, you're my slaves, but go on out there three days journey into the wilderness and worship your God. Notice what he says, verse 2. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? That's capital O-L-O-R-D. There it is, personal name of God. He uses the personal name of God. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Notice what he says. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? By the way, that, that should be all capitals there on this slide. Because he's saying, who is the personal name of God? That's, he's using it. He says, I don't know your God. I don't know the Lord God. I'm God. If you said to Pharaoh, he'd say, I don't know your God. I'm the God here. I don't care about your God. I'm the God. Why should I obey your God? What authority does your God have over me? Because, by the way, we got a lot of gods here. And I'm the top one, by the way. We got all kind of gods. The Nile is a god. The sun is a god. Frogs are gods. Cows are gods. All kind of things are gods. But I'm the top god here. I'm Pharaoh. And my son is going to be the next god. And so I rule this place. And when you come to me and say, the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go, I say, first of all, who is the Lord that I should obey him? I don't obey him. I don't even know who he is. I do my own thing. That's what he's saying. Who is God that I should obey him? It's pride. Pride is very destructive. I've heard it said that when a man is wrapped up in himself, he makes a very small package. And it is really true. Pride is the characteristic of our world. Think about it. Uh, what was the fall of Satan? Pride. The fall of man? Pride. I put this up. Somebody I found this the other day. It says pride is my position, my rights. I'm the important one. It's my desires, and I should expect my concerns. That's what pride is. It's all about me. He said, I don't know the Lord. And by the way, I'm God. I don't, why should I even, why should I listen to you? When he says, I don't know the Lord, that, that Hebrew word has an idea of know by experience. He says, I know a lot of gods. I just don't know your God. And you know, the truth is, there are a lot of people who know about God. They just don't know God. They talk about him. They'll say, oh yeah, I know about God or I pray to God or something. But they don't really know him. They don't know him as Savior. They've never understood who he is. They've never understood that he died on the cross, paid for sin and rose again. And they believe in him and they have eternal life. They just, they don't grasp it. How can a person know God? Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except what? Through me. You believe in Jesus Christ, and you have eternal life. He said, I will not let you go. Now, that should have been no surprise. Moses should have turned to Aaron and said, that's what God said. He wasn't going to let us go. They act like this is the biggest surprise in their lives. Like, he won't let us go. This is all in God's plan, as we always remember that God is working all events, both the good and the bad, both the things that come into our lives that we think are good, the things that come into our lives that we not think are not so good. 
We must trust God because he's working. Well, how is Moses going to respond? Have, have they forgotten what God told them? Look at verse 3. Then he said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall on us with a pestilence or with a sword. Now, what they basically said is if you don't let us do this, God's going to get mad at us. That's basically what they said. We need a three-day journey in the wilderness to sacrifice. Point. Now, think about this. Here's the question. If he'll not let them go out for three days, do you think he's going to let them go for good? I mean, that's, that's why he's doing It's a test. Moses basically says, if, if you don't let us go, God will discipline us because we have to obey him. Now, I think Moses is saying this. God has told us to come do this. If we, if you don't let us go, if you don't, if we don't come do what God told us to do, we think there'll be consequences. Now, Pharaoh has already, Pharaoh's hardened his heart right here. Because what has he already said? I will not let you go. It's going to be all the way to the sixth time before God ever hardens Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's going to harden his heart six times before it says God hardens his heart. Now, look at verse 4. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. It's really strong. He, he not only says no, but he makes accusations. He says, you guys are, are taking the people away from their work. Listen, they are my slaves. I have jobs for them to do. When you come up here asking about going out to some celebration three days out in the wilderness, you're wanting to take away the workers. You need to get back to work and do what I've told you to do. You're stopping the people from serving. This is just a chance to get out of work. You're just wanting a holiday to get off work. That's what he's saying. Again, Pharaoh said, look at verse 5, Look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors. He's basically accusing Moses and Aaron of coming up with a plan to get the people out of work. And the Pharaoh decides to come up with a new policy. I mean, you can think, think about it from Pharaoh. You've got two people who come up and said, God said, let these people go. Pharaoh thinks, I'm God. I'm not saying nothing about letting these people go. I'm the God around here. I don't care what God you got. I'm the God around here. And I'll tell you what, you know what? You kind of made me mad. And so you guys come up here. You're wasting my time. You're wasting your time. I'm going to make it a little bit tougher on you. We're going to have a new policy. You know, we're going to have a new policy. Because I think maybe, I think maybe you have too much time on your hands. Too much time on your hands. Look at verse 6. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their four men saying, I want you to understand that there are two things, there are two groups here. Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people. Now these are Egyptians, taskmasters, who oversee the whole thing and their four men, the four men the best that we can fail, are Jewish people picked to oversee the sections of labor. So you've got Egyptians controlling these four men who are Jewish, who are telling the Jewish people what to do. They're like bosses, bosses over their own people. And notice what it says. That same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, You're no longer, here's my new policy, you're no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. So the policy is no longer give them straw. The straw was used to make the brick stronger. He, things just got worse. He said, okay, what we've been doing is giving you the straw and making you work. Well, guess what? New policy. 
you gotta go get your own straw. Obviously, you've got so much time on your hand that you've got plenty of time to go get your own straw. The problem, according to Pharaoh, is the Jews have too much time. Look at verse 8. But the quota for bricks, which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You shall not, you're not to reduce any of it because they're just lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let's go sacrifice to our God. They're lazy. The quota of bricks will not go down. So here's what I'm expecting. The new policy is you've got to make the same number of bricks, but instead of us providing the straw, you've got to go get the straw yourself. You go get the straw, you come back, and you make the bricks. Then we'll see how much time you have on your hands. Well, if, if you're one of these workers, what do you say? Whose idea was this? Wait a minute. We, I mean, because what does he say? You are lazy. Because they are lazy. And they say, let's go sacrifice to our God. Let the labor, verse 9, let the labor be heavier on the men. Let them work at all. Uh, let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. Let them be so busy working, they won't have time to worry about going out and doing some kind of sacrifices to their God. They won't listen to these false words. He's saying basically, Pharaoh, that uh, Moses' message is wrong. Now, look at this. All they've done is what God told them to do, and things got worse. Welcome to the real world, right? You stand for Christ sometimes in a situation, and what's going to happen? Sometimes it's worse than it was. You go, well, I, you know, that was not, you know, somehow. There's a teaching that says if you're a Christian, everything's going to be great. I mean, I've had people say that if you got sick as a Christian, it's because you just didn't have enough faith. How ridiculous. They're doing exactly what God told them to do. They're obedient to God, and yet it seems that things are getting worse. And just because things aren't smooth doesn't mean that we're not doing what God wants us to do. In fact, so many things that God brings into our lives are not to say what's wrong. It's to say, I'm strengthening you. I'm building your character. We're going against the fallen world. We're going against the opposite direction of the values of this world. There's going to be opposition to us. Well, what happens? Look at verse 10. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I'm not going to give you any straw. So they went out. The, the, basically, the taskmasters and the foremen, and they told the rest of the Jewish people, Look, Pharaoh says no more straw. You can almost see the people going, No more straw? How do you all expect us to make the bricks? you got to go get your own straw. So verse 11 says, You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but none of your labor shall be reduced. So the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. You could say, well, I, I thought God was with us. I thought God was with us, and he cares about us. Remember, it said that people believed that God cared about us, and back over here it says all the people realized that God cared about them, and, and they, they knew that he was concerned about the sons of Israel, and they worshipped him. And you can see him say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Whose idea was this anyway? Isn't it amazing? They've been slaves, and, and when it gets a little worse, they go, everything was so much better. Oh, yeah, it was real better. It was real good. Now, here's the great truth. We have to obey God regardless of what happens. You have to obey God regardless of what happens. It's going to be really hard because now they've got to go find the straw and then make the bricks. 
Look at verse 13. The taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Basically, you've got to do exactly the same thing. you just got to go get your own straw. Moreover, look at this. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, who Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten. Were beaten. These are the Jewish foremen. They were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed the work your required amount, either yesterday or today, and making bricks as previously? They basically started beating them and saying, How come you don't have the right bricks? How come you haven't made all the bricks? You're supposed to make all the bricks. You've got to find your own straw. You've got to make all the bricks. How come you haven't got your quota? Now watch. This is what amazes me. Verse 15. Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh. They come to Pharaoh. How do they get to see Pharaoh? Pharaoh must like to see people. I mean, if if Moses and Aaron, basically two nobodies, right? They get to so they get to go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him, "Let my people go." And now these these basically slaves come up who are foremen, and what do they say? Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, "Why do you deal this way with your servants?" Why are you doing this to us? You know, like I said a while ago, <clears throat> they're speaking as if things have been good up to this time. Things have never been good for them. Remember, they're slaves. Things have just gotten worse. Look at verse 16. There is, there's no straw given to your servants, yet they keep saying to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are being beaten. But it is the fault of your own people. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. These slaves actually tell Pharaoh that it's, not their fault that they are getting beaten and not able to keep up. They're saying it's really y'all's fault because you didn't give us the straw. You think Pharaoh would go, oh, of course, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I, how could I take away your straw and expect you to make the same number of bricks? What was I thinking? I must not be God after all if I wasn't thinking clearly. What does he say to them? Verse 17, but he said, you are lazy, very lazy. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Look at his answer. You're just lazy, very lazy. The problem is with you. It's not with me. It's not with my people. You say, let's go sacrifice to the Lord. The problem is you don't want to work. The problem is you want to come in here and say, we'd like to go out three days journey and rest and, and, and sacrifice to God. You want us to let you stop working? What a ridiculous idea. You know that when you seek to live for God, sometimes to the world it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? When you give away stuff, when you give away, you take what God gives you and you give a portion away, the world would go, that's stupid. You could use that for something else. You go, I know. And why do you do this? And why do you do this? And why do you do this? It's amazing. Pharaoh says, you want to worship? No, no, no. You don't want to worship. You just want to stop working. That's what this is about. Verse 18. So go now and work, for you will be given no straw, yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. So if you're the foreman, you're going to go back to the people and say, I know we can do about it. I mean, he went and talked to him. He said nothing about it. The foreman of the sons of Israel saw that they were, I love this verse, the foreman's, the foreman of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble. 
<laughs> because they were told, you shall not, you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. They saw they were in trouble. Why are they in trouble? Because they can't do it. It's not possible. They realized we can't make the same, we were already pushing it, right? I mean, slaves don't, you, you don't slack around, right? You're already doing the best you can, and now suddenly you, you don't even have straw, so you gotta go get the straw. There's no possible way you're gonna make the same amount of bricks. And we're in trouble. And you know, you can see them walking out and they're saying, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. So look what happens. Verse 20, when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. Moses and Aaron. <laughs> you know, they went, hey, 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 Moses, Aaron, come over here. We'd like to say, first of all, we appreciate all you've done for us. You've helped us so much. They wanted to see how things would turn out. Now, think about how Moses and Aaron felt. Okay, think about this. First of all, the people were in trouble. The work was much harder. The people were being called lazy. The foremen were now being beaten. God was being ridiculed because Pharaoh said, I don't know your God. And the people are angry at Moses and Aaron. So if you're Moses, you could say, I, I, I wish I'd have never seen that burning bush, right? I mean, things were, I mean, I had it pretty much made back over there. I mean, it wasn't a great job or anything, but, you know, it wasn't this situation. Things don't turn out like we think always, do they? I mean, when you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, think back when you trusted in Christ. Did somebody say to you, you're a Christian, everything's going to be wonderful. The truth is, you became a Christian and you have eternal life and you got God and it is the greatest thing it could ever be. But that doesn't mean everything is going to be wonderful. Because you live in a fallen world and you're now contrary to the fallen world. So look what they say to Moses. They said to them, May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in his hand to kill us. Basically, they say, May God judge you for this, Moses. May God get you for this. I hope God deals with you because you brought trouble on us. In fact, we stink. We stink. That's what they said. We stink. We stink before Pharaoh. He, he hates us. May God judge you for what you've done. Pharaoh wants to kill us now. You've made things worse. For Moses and Aaron and the Jewish people, because they have done what is right, it has now got worse. Ever in your life, because you have decided that you're going to live by the Scripture, that you're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, that you made a decision that you're going to offer your life as a living sacrifice, and you want to grow, and you want to live for Christ, you want to memorize verses, you want to live by the Scripture, you want to make an impact for Christ, did suddenly everything get so much better? Did you find that suddenly there are a lot of people who, who used to be maybe your friends, aren't your friends anymore? They're not as close to you anymore because you're different now. You've sort of become a fanatic. You're just, you know, you're always into this church stuff, or you're always talking about the Bible, or you're talking about what the Bible says about this, and, and all of this. Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll what? Hate you. When we stand for Christ in a fallen world, it may get worse. Listen, there are parts of the world that if you say the name Jesus Christ, they may kill you. We think it's bad because somebody just looks at us funny because we're a Christian. 
I read the story, and I don't know the person's name, but there was a woman that worked for this company. She'd worked for five years. She was a great Christian, very active in her church. But she never moved up any for five years. And so she went to her supervisor, and she said, you know, I work really hard here. And they said, yes, your work is excellent, but we know your philosophy. You're not totally dedicated to this company. And for a person to really advance, this company has got to be your life, and it's got to be seven days a week. We know that your church is what's important to you. See, they didn't understand. It wasn't her church that was important to her. It was her Savior that's important, and her church was where she worshiped and all that. But, see, she didn't move up because they knew that she wasn't a company person. We have done only what God wanted us to do, and it's not turning out very well. How does Moses respond? You'd think Moses would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm behind you all the way, Lord. I know exactly what's happening. <laughs> Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Basically, he's saying, whose idea was this? Why did you send me? Moses, now here's the key. Moses is seeing the situation rather than the promises. What did God say to him? You're going to lead my people out. They're going to bring, I'm going to bring them out from slavery and bring them into the promised land. He's already said that the Pharaoh will not listen to you, but I will demonstrate my power. He already knows that. But instead of looking at the promises that God said, he's looking at the situation. And sometimes we look at our circumstances rather than the promises of God. We say things like, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Of course you don't know how it's going to not. You can't know what's going to turn out. You don't re, you're not God. But you have to trust him. Moses said, why did you ever send me? What did he say to us? I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? Cut it all joy and you fall into various trials. Knowing the test of your faith works patience. God works all things together for good. Those who are called by God. Those who love him. Moses raised all the questions. Why did God tell him to do this? He said, God, God said, I, he won't let you go. I'll have, to, I'll have to bring judgment. Then he'll let you go. Look what Moses is going to say. Ever since I came to Pharaoh, <laughs> I like the way he puts it, ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. <laughs> God wants to say, i got to have ten plagues first. It's going to take a little time. It's not just like that. Ever since I came to the Pharaoh, you have not delivered us. I just love it. It's like a kid going, you didn't do it yet. Well, just, you're going to have to take a little longer time than that. In your name, I did what you wanted me to do, and things have gotten worse. You have not delivered us. I did what you said, and things aren't better. I tried to live by the Scripture, and things aren't always better. I tried to do what is right, and things aren't always better. Now, ultimately, they are better, but not always in our circumstances. Moses is looking at the situation rather than the promises. God's going to work out his plan in exactly the right time, in exactly the right way. So often we get caught up in the problem and forget the promises. Well, what have we seen? We've seen that Moses and Aaron go to the Pharaoh, and he let, refuses to let them go. They come up with, Pharaoh comes up with a new plan, no straw. Workers have to work harder. They're just lazy. Foremen go to the Pharaoh, and they said, no, you're just lazy. The foremen go to Moses and say, we hope you're happy now. 
And we hope God deals with you because what's happened. So Moses goes to God and says, you haven't delivered us. What's the holdup? We're going to see next time. The Lord said to Moses, now, look how verse 6, chapter 6 starts. The Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now, why is God going to judge Pharaoh and the Egyptians? Why is he going to judge them? Why didn't he just let Pharaoh? Because he could have somehow influenced Pharaoh to say, I don't know why, but y'all should just leave. Because, see, God is going to show that he is the true God and all the false gods of the Egyptians, those ten false gods, he's going to show that he is the power. That's what it's all about. So, application. Let's do this. First of all, keep our focus on the promises, not the problems. I mean, that's what's, that's what's wrong in this chapter. What's wrong in this chapter is they did what God told them to do, and it didn't turn out the way they thought, and so they're mad. And what we should do is remember, remember the promises, not the circumstances, because the circumstances will go up and down, but focus always not on the problem, but on the promises. And as we go through life, we have to look at the truths. Now, let me, let me give you several things. Number one, go to God in prayer when you're faced with situations. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious or nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Go to God in the situations. Be anxious for nothing. Say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Because what the Jewish people really needed to do right then is say, we don't understand it, Lord, but I have to trust you. I'm giving it to you. We went to Pharaoh. It didn't turn out so good right now. And it looks like it's worse for us. But we know that you're working all things. So I'm not going to be anxious for anything, but I'm going to give this to you and let you deal with it. Second, opposition doesn't mean it isn't God's will. Just because things don't go smooth doesn't mean it's not from God. I've had people say, well, I don't know if I should have taken this job because it's turned out bad. Maybe it wasn't God's will because it's not turned out as good as I wanted it to be. That doesn't mean anything. You never know what God is doing. It's worse right now. And it's going to get worse before it's over. And it's going to take them through all the plagues. And if you remember, the first couple of plagues, the Jewish people experienced the plague as well as the Egyptians. They could say, what is the world is going on around here? I thought he's going to judge the Egyptians. Yeah, you may be a little too close. Maybe you ought to back up or something because that's what it's going to be. But God works all things according to his will. Third thing, sometimes things do get worse. That's just the truth. When you stand for Jesus Christ. Listen, we all know that the greatest thing in the world is having eternal life. It's a gift. It costs us nothing. We're saved and saved forever. And we also know that the greatest thing we could ever do is live for Jesus Christ. That we could say, Lord, I want my life to count for you. And we know the joy and the blessings and the, and the promises and, and, and everything that happened to us when we live for Jesus Christ. But we also know that when you live for Jesus Christ in a fallen world, there's going to be opposition. And things may get worse in some aspects. That's just life because we represent the living God in a culture and a world that has rejected the living God. And we choose to live by the word of God in a world that says, this this is nothing. I do my own thing. We say, no, 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 we don't do our own thing. We do God's thing. And so we should expect that sometimes it's not going to be, it's not going to turn out the way we want it to turn out. But that takes us to the last thing. And that's really the key to this whole thing. And that is obey God regardless of the situation. We do what's right even if it doesn't look out it's going to turn out for our best. We just have to trust Him because all things work together for good. 
even if it's not for our advantage. Even if it's not. You know that whole idea of, of you, you make a promise. You say, uh, I'll do this. And then when the time comes, it's not going to be that good for you to keep your promise. But you keep your promise because you live by the Word of God. Being popular, by the way, is not always the best thing. And doing the thing that the world does definitely is not always the right thing. May we live for God, obeying His Word regardless of our situation, knowing that God is in control and He's working His plans and His promises in His perfect timing. So what we have to do is keep the focus on the promises and not the problems. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you, Lord, for a great passage. Lord, as we look at this, it's sort of scary when you see them standing for you and going to represent you before the Pharaoh and everything. And, and then in their, in their situation, it looks like it gets worse. And it really does. But, Lord, we must keep our focus on the promises that you give us and not the problems in the situation of life. Lord, we know that when the trials and problems come, we come to you in prayer and, and we, uh, we lift up our prayer request to you. And, Lord, just because things are contrary to what we think doesn't mean that you're not in it and that you're not working. And, Lord, sometimes we know that in living in a fallen world, things aren't as good as we wish they were. But, Lord, we trust you and rest in you no matter what. Thank you, Lord, for the truths that we see from this passage. Help us to stand for you, Lord, and make an impact for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.